Welcome to the 197th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today we are recording on September 15th, 2020. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com. And 50% of this here show with me is the guy who's carving out a life in the wasteland, Carlos Rodella. Yeah, the wasteland meaning like real life. Meaning like outside our fucking doors right now. Although my, my wasteland activities aren't like in the game wasteland. It's more like putting on a huge mask to just get groceries. And it's like not as exciting. <laughs> Did you know, Carlos? Did you know? For people who don't know, uh, Carlos and I are both in the state of Washington, lovely Pacific Northwest. Uh, so we are currently, you know, still in the midst of uh, COVID-19. So we've got masks because we're scared that we're going to catch a fatal virus. Also, uh, forest fires in Washington, Oregon, and California with the wind apparently blowing straight fucking north. So we are covered in smoke and it's really tough. A little bit better in Carlos's area. In my area, I am surrounded by thick plumes of unbreathable smoke so we can't even go outside uh in my area also did you know carlos that west nile virus decided to make a return visit to washington it just got announced this week oh, you need to watch the fuck out for west nile virus because mosquitoes with it are back great why'd you have to do that i need to i need to keep you alive i'm giving you fair warning so we can keep doing the show uh because if you died who would edit the podcast i don't know so stay That's alive true. you've never edited one podcast I've I think, literally ever. never I mean, I would have to learn, but let's not go there. I feel like Just, one episode you're like, that's it. I'm doing it, Carl. I'm, I'm going to edit this one. And then you didn't. I, You know, I almost did. And then I don't know what happened. It didn't. Yeah. Anyway, we all have our talents. We all have our skills. All right. Well, everything is insane over here. But at the same time, video games are pretty great. And they're also something you can do while you're inside. So if you're stuck inside from smoke, which is a lot of the West Coast, uh, play video games. Also get an air conditioner and an, and an air filter. Absolutely. Or, uh, air purifier, whatever it's called. So... Yes, uh, doing Wasteland activities like going and getting groceries, uh, but also playing Wasteland in my uh, video game console as well. Still playing that. And by Did the way, it real close quick, to home for you? Did it feel uncomfortably real? No, because it was you could go outside in the game. <laughs> oh, that's right. They got fresher air and fresher air in Wasteland Three than we do in real life. Yeah, that could be a box quote, but a oh, a, a, a life box quote. That's sad. I want to get in touch with their PR right now. Um, just real quick, speaking of Wasteland 3, uh, organically, I remember that um, I forgot to mention some really great music is in that game as well. Um, they they do like a Welcome Back Cotter-like cover. Wow, that's a that's an old reference. Right, because I think this is like, a, you know, it's an alternate timeline. So like all these different songs pop up. And then also like the Choir Girl like versions of songs. Like have you heard that Choir Girl version of Creep by Radiohead? I have, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's so cool. And so like that's in there. Like, there's a bunch of really interesting songs. Like, I remember I mentioned that to you when I first brought up the game, that I really liked how in the trailer there was some great music, and later on in the game there was some great music during battles and stuff. And just in the background, like on a radio or something, there'll be really cool music. So I'm really surprised at how um, much that really adds to the game, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. Every sound designer in America is, like, nodding their head and really agreeing with you 100% right now. So. Yeah. Agreed, agreed. Uh, before we launch into the actual show, folks, a couple items of housekeeping. I've got one, two, maybe three, four housekeepings, but they're all quick. What about you? Got anything, Carlos? Holy shit. Usually I have four or five and you have none. So I have none. So let's have you do it. All right. First off, I just want to preemptively apologize to the folks for my voice this week. Uh, as we mentioned about the air quality out here, it's it's really bad, you guys. 
Uh, I just got back from getting groceries and a couple other things that I needed for the house. Uh, we've been staying inside basically 24-7 uh, as much as possible, but I did have to go out and get some food. And the air was just really bad. So I had a, like a major coughing fit before the show. My nose is on fire right now. My throat is sore and my, my lungs hurt. So if I start coughing or if I sound like I'm really rough this episode, I apologize. I am trying to stay alive, folks. So please bear with me. Um, next announcement, uh, kind of a announcement spoiler-ish thing that happened this week. Carlos, were you on social media or were you aware when people spilled the Microsoft Xbox... What is the next Xbox called anyway? Uh, Series S, you mean that, Seri- that leak? Oh, yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, the leak that like happened at like 11 o'clock at night or something and microsoft's pr quickly pivoted and then turned it into announcement that was bananas this week yeah and by the way i'm always on social media <laughs> okay good um i live inside it uh yeah i uh, i mean they had to do that right so the information came out uh about the price right was that the first thing that came out yeah yeah it was a strong pivot people had leaked and then the the pr people at microsoft were like shit cats out of the bag let's just roll with it and they announced the uh the prices for their two units the smaller one which is i think the no disk drive uh download only was coming out at 299 and the bigger box which is the big like refrigerator looking one that people were making memes out of that one's coming out at 399 uh but also they were announcing that there was going to be a payment plan for both of those so if you want to get the small one it's 25 dollars a month if you want to get the big one it's 35 dollars a month so those are pretty, I mean, number one, I think those prices are lower than most people were expecting. And also to have a kind of an installment plan, like a rent to own sort of a thing, pretty fucking killer. And I believe also, I may be wrong on this, but I thought people were saying that if you bought one, then you get a year of Game Pass as well. Did you hear that? Am I wrong on that? That might be right. I have also some other questions. First off, yeah, great, cool. Kudos on them to do the monthly plan thing, obviously, in this time period. Absolutely. Uh, that's really great. Two ninety nine is great. That's like, you know, a little, the same price as a Switch, I think. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, so that's crazy. But remember, this is the Series S, and there's also a Series X. Yes. Right? So the yes. Series X, if that's a uh, more powerful machine, then we're still wondering what the price of that is. But if the Series S is 300 it can't be that much more. No, no, they, they announced it. It was three ninety nine. It's two ninety nine. Oh, that one is three ninety nine. Yeah, okay. that one is. So the only difference, as far as we can tell, the only difference is if you have a four K TV, then you get the X because that one runs at a higher rate. It's got some better chips. It's got some more magic sauce inside the box. Whatever. That one is made for your high end four K TVs. It's got more memory and stuff like that as well. I think it's also got the disc drive. If you do not have a 4K TV, and apparently plenty of people, myself included, do not have one, it, it runs the same games. It still is um, equally strong. It just uh, cuts back on the display portion, apparently. So if you have a regular TV, not a 4K, then you get the 299. It runs just fine, does all the same games. If you got a 4K TV, you probably want to get the bigger box. But 299 399 those are the price points. Okay, I guess I missed the second part of that news. I just heard the Series S one. And that's cheap. I mean, that's cheap. Uh, I feel like PS5 is going to be 500, right? Like 499. Um, wait, that is 499. I'm confused. It's 399. The the X, the Series X. The most expensive Xbox is 399, and yeah, you can get I that for 35 dollars a week. But I think or, I'm sorry, a month, a month, a month. I think it's going to be 500, 499 for the PS5. That's what I'm my guess for the big boy model because they have two models. Don't forget, each each publisher has two separate models this time around. 
We've got the little one and the big one for the Xbox. We've got the little one and the big one but, for the PS5. One has disk drive and one does not. Right. The disk drive is the different part of it with the Sony one. Yeah. Well, yeah. all I know is this. Say no more. I don't have a 4K TV. I'm not going to buy one right now. Um, yeah, I'm just buying the Series S, uh, small one, done. I know, man. And, you know, I mean, like you said, with the times that we're going through with COVID, with the upcoming election and the chaos that's going to ensue, with people losing their jobs, people getting evicted, a lot of people going hungry right now. Like, America's in bad shape, and I think a lot of the world's in bad shape. And I kind of question launching a new console at all. But if you're going to launch one, and, I mean, God knows people need something to do, doing a rent-to-own payment plan is absolutely a killer fucking strategy. I have to imagine that the execs at Sony are kind of shitting themselves right now. Yeah, I feel like they're not going to do it either because they're not going to be like, oh, we're not going to copy <clears throat> them, but it would be smart for them to do it. But yeah, um, yeah, I know some of us are lucky like uh, like me and, and you and some people who have can work through all this, you know, and not yeah, out of a job. Yeah. So for me, it's like a no-brainer no matter what it was going to be. But I love that it's cheaper because, yeah, I want to be able to save a little bit of money during this time period. So Absolutely. done. I'm not getting a 4K TV. They're crazy if I'm no one needs that like no one's uh, yeah, using yeah, it exactly i'm not going to get one either but man and game pass on top of that i gotta say xbox has really maneuvered themselves into a very strong position right now because if you can get a brand new top of the line game console for 35 bucks a month and if you get game game pass included you don't gotta fucking buy any games like yeah, at all that's like that's like a crazy deal so uh, i believe the ps5 showcase is i want to say it's tomorrow, tomorrow. yeah it's right well, tomorrow. we're recording on tuesday so it's wednesday yeah so I don't know if they're going to be ready to announce the price points. I mean, this whole thing kind of got bumped up unexpectedly. We shall see. But I feel like I feel like Sony's probably backpedaling a little bit right now. I think they I think they're in a bad position at the moment. You know what though? I don't want to play Debbie Downer to this whole announcement because it's a great thing. And again, in this time period, people out of work, etc. Great price point, bunch of games, Game Pass. It's all good. But I will rain on the parade just a little bit. A few raindrops, which, by the yes. way, I, I could take right now. I could use some rain Where right now. Where the frick it. is the rain? Uh, you got to have the game, Brad Galloway, at the end of the day. And where have I played most of my games? I mean, exclusives. You know what I mean? Like, it still comes down to that. Like, I'm, we're in the industry. We're going to buy these things. But other people, it's a good price point. But do you want to buy a cheaper thing that maybe doesn't have all the games you want to play on it? I mean, that's a good question. I haven't done the research. I mean, we don't, you know, everybody knows we don't do research on the show. Mm -mm. I currently don't know what the breakdown is between Xbox or Microsoft exclusives as opposed to Sony exclusives. I mean, I'm sure each one has their own exclusives. And honestly, to be perfectly frank with you, um, I don't think I give a shit about any of the Xbox One exclusives at all. Like, I don't, I'm not usually in that basket. Um, but I don't know that I'm necessarily a fan of the Sony exclusive either. Like, I haven't really liked, I didn't like... Uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I didn't like God of Ugh, War. Crazy. Uh, I mean, crazy. a lot of the a lot of the exclusives they just don't do it for me. So for me, that's not really the defining aspect. But I know that you are correct. I know a lot of people do pick one side or the other, and if they want those exclusives, I mean, it might be interesting tomorrow to see uh, what is actually a PS exclusive because I think that might be a factor. I think you're correct. Yeah, we'll we'll look at it. We'll see. We shall see. Last bit of quick housekeeping. Um, I believe you told me about this a while ago, but I just started watching a video game historical documentary on Netflix called High Score. You've seen this, right? It's fucking incredible. Everybody go see it. It is really good. It is really good. I heard some people grumbling about it on social media, and I'm like, oh, is it not good? But then I started watching it, and I'm like, no, this is actually pretty great. I don't know why people are upset about it. 
Uh, I learned a lot already, and I feel like I already knew a lot. Like, I did not feel like I came into this without any knowledge of games industry. I feel like I knew quite a bit, but I learned a lot on every single episode. Really well put together, really interesting. I think we're three episodes deep. It's good stuff. If you're listening to this podcast, I basically guarantee you're going to want to watch this show. You really do. It's, um, like you said, exactly it. It's, they really shed light on other smaller stories that are not really smaller. They're really foundational stories for the industry, but people don't really hear them a lot. And so really unsung heroes of the development of games and also just like the cultural moments yeah. of, of arcade games and, and also just like home software and PC gaming. And, uh, and Richard's in it. Um, you know, my good buddy, Richard Garriott, uh, who created Ultima series. That uh, guy, that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he's in it and they talk about Ultima and, and yeah, it's just so cool. It's really good stuff. I definitely recommend it. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've loved what I've seen so far. And like I said, if you are the kind of person who listens to us talk about games every week, you 100% need to watch this show. It's just, just it's a done deal. Go watch it right now. Real quick tangent on the Ultima tangent. thing. I yes. just got in the mail my hard copy, actual physical book of Through the Moon Gate. Oh, yeah. Uh, which I was talking about on the show by Andrea Cantato. Uh, it's part one, and I'm really excited to just like sit down and read it. So I highly recommend it to anybody who likes Ultima. Check out Through the Moon Gate. You'll have to give us a really brief uh, book report when you uh, turn the last page there. Yeah, it's it's. A, I think it's a pretty short read. I'm gonna I'm gonna burn through it. Excellent. All right, folks, that is enough of the opening ceremonies here. Let's get down to business. Um, pretty packed show. We have one listener Q and A, and actually we had so many games we had to cut some out. So we're gonna get some later on this week, but we still have more than enough for an entire episode tonight. Carlos, we're gonna start with you. Uh, we are gonna be talking about the Control most recent DLC. It's called A W E. Uh, in the game, I believe it refers to altered, alt. Well, that's not right. Altered world item. That doesn't sound right. Well, it's interesting. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it's called because we're actually not talking about AWE. Oh, you're not talking about. What sorry, are you no, about? no, no. I sorry. I didn't. The foundation. Put this, like the foundation. Yeah. Oh my bad. My no, no, bad. I, I downloaded ahead. both of them. You're right because I downloaded both of them. I just wasn't. I didn't specify. Um, so we had talked on the show about control and how you went back to it and you told me that. There was all these cool really new features that will help you get uh, through the game, especially that hard part that I was stuck at. Oh, yeah, the assist mode. The assist mode. So what I did is I went and immediately got uh, the DLC pack because it was like a season pass thing. So, But then I wanted to do it in order. So I want to talk quickly about the foundation. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I set this all up incorrectly. My bad, folks. You so didn't. Yes. You did, it's okay. It's a podcast. No, I, <laughs> I need to apologize to you. The entire <laughs> listenership, I uh... me bad, me bad. So backing it up, Carlos is going to talk about The Foundation, which is the first actual add-on story-based DLC for Control, uh, which was my game of the year last year. I know you really liked it, too. This is the one where Jesse goes to the basement of the oldest house and finds out what's going on down there. They give you a couple new powers. They expand the story. They explain where one character who disappeared got to. And, uh, yeah, that is that is the Foundation DLC. Um, I Did I talk about AWE last time? Yeah, did you did. Yeah, so okay. we did we cover it on the show. And I, and I might go to it after this as well, but I have a couple issues uh, with this DLC. All right. So um, Before yeah, we ahead. get to the DLC, I need to ask you, because one of the big hooks, and it seems like the reason you went back to it, was because of the assist mode, which they added to, which was not part of the DLC. Everybody who has control gets the assist mode for free. But it adds all sorts of things, like it lets you regain energy faster, lets you take less damage, or it also just lets you kill people with one hit, 
or you can also turn on full-on invincibility for yourself. So uh, a lot of people were having trouble with some of Control's combat, especially towards the end of the campaign. Remedy heard that, responded, gave you these tools, which are all optional, of course, uh, to help you get through the game. And I assume that you went back and turned some of this stuff on, right? Yeah, I mean, that's really all I want to talk about. It's very light touch. I'm just going to talk about that assist mode and then a little bit of what I thought about Foundation. But yeah, I think... Um it was a mandatory thing for me because I kept getting stuck at that last section of the very end of the game, which is, I think, still insanely difficult. I went back. I didn't turn on invincibility, but I just turned on that one shot so that I could actually, like, still get used to the controls again. You know what I mean? Yes, yes, yes. Like, picking up rocks, throwing them, shooting, aiming. So I did all that. I also turned on auto-aim, which actually was really cool. And what it did is it made me feel like a badass at the end of a video game which I love and that I wish more video games would do because you worked your ass off to get there and don't tell me that I'm also weak at the very end of the game. Right, so right. to me, it was like the most beautiful thing that I wish would have just organically happened in the game. Like, you know, they said like, no, Jesse's just amazing now and she just kills people quicker. So I turn on aim assist and the uh, one shot kill and that's it. And I just, I still almost died once because <laughs> they literally surround you with like people who can one shot you. It is a rough section of game, dude. It's really dumb. I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to turn invincibility and I'm one shotting people. What is this fucking level about? Finally did it though. I didn't have to, I didn't, I think I did die once accidentally because I wasn't ready. But then I beat it, got to the ending, you know, became the director, like, you know, uh, it's not really much of a spoiler now. And, walked around the house and kind of just like started doing some small missions, you know, cause there's yeah, like a ton yeah, yeah. Left, left over. And I immediately remember what I hated about the game, which is, <laughs> well, no, it's not all bad, but it, it, it's a shit, uh, version of when you pick a, um, something to do, like where it is in the map. The is map just is the worst map shitty. in game history. It's terrible. There's no compass. There's no quick way to go there. It's all like just hoping you find it. And then when you get to the area that where it's supposed to be, it's still like a lot of running around. Yeah. And yeah. I just felt like I was running through offices forever. And I was like, fuck this. I'm not even doing the side missions. Uh, and then when I tried to start foundation, that was difficult because I went, I wasn't going to the boardroom. I was going to like the boardroom. <laughs> There's like another boardroom with like the lady in it, you know? Yeah, the, the science the science officer lady. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I think that place is called the boardroom. I mean, possibly. I, I don't remember. And they yeah, meant, I know the room you're talking about. They meant to go to the special magic boardroom that's down a hall somewhere with that, like, you know, the, with the, the, red the telephone. With the red phone in it, right? Fucking hell, that took forever. So I was already, like, frustrated. <laughs> but when I finally did do it, I would say the positives are in that basement zone, it's the graphics are fucking cool as hell. Like, it's so cool, the size and scope that Remedy builds these worlds in, because it feels like another planet. Like, you feel like, what the fuck is going on down here? And you really feel the sense and scope of what they're trying to portray, right? Like, exactly magical exactly. place. The cons are, I love Twin Peaks, and a lot of people have, like, um, talked about Ian Wake, and, and this game having these kind of, Lynchian feels of like really weird stuff you don't have answers to. Totally. The, the difference with Lynch and a other a couple other artists or, or directors like that is that it's kind of like one or two mysteries, but this I think is has a fault where it adds like twenty five mysteries on top of each other, mm. and then you don't know what to even focus on. So 
while I'm down there, I'm reading notes, and the notes are about like eight different things. Like, oh, yeah. it's about time. No, it's not about time. I think it's this monster over here. Actually, we're on another planet. It might be a different reality. And I'm like, fuck you. Well, I that's don't... your problem, dude. Don't read the notes, man. I just skipped all those <laughs> notes. I skipped every single one of them. That said, it's also like, there's a ghost there. Wait, it's not a ghost. It's a person who's alive. Wait, that person's dead? It was literally while I was playing the game and not reading notes. Like, it was confusing. <laughs> so, yes, yes. I, I just felt like... I it's hard for me to focus on this game. Like when it was the base game and there was like the really cool maze and some really cool, like, you know, beats that you felt like you were working towards an ending, which the ending was your brother. Then that makes sense. But this so far, the foundation feels so just dreamy for the sake of dreamy. And I'm interested to see what AWE does different. And I feel like it might actually be more story focused, but I just felt myself bored and I don't, I never thought I would be, but like I knew the controls so well. Ah, pun intended. I know um, we played this game for a long time, you and I both. Yeah, we did. We did. So I just like I don't know if I want to run around corridors, and even in Foundation, it's like, wait, where am I going? Oh, that's not a that's a bridge. That's not a hole. Oh wait, it's an opening. Oh, I don't know, man. I just got really bored. Well, I tell you what, man, if you thought Foundation was boring, you're going to be wanting to, like, just kill yourself at the end of AWE because that is, like, so boring. I don't know that mm. I finished it when we talked about it last episode, but I was going to quit it because I was just bored of playing it. And I ended up turning on the invincibility and the one-shot mode because I just didn't give a fuck at that point. And I just, just blew through, the, like, the last half of it. And I'm glad that I did because it was stupid. It was dumb. The story was dumb. Uh, the whole thing felt like it was cut and paste. The final ending resolution of the DLC was dumb. And Alan Wake's involvement was dumb. Like, it was just a really poor mm. DLC. I love Control. Still my game of the year. I don't regret that. I love the base campaign. Uh, seems like you enjoyed the base campaign more than the DLC as well. But I thought Foundation was okay, pretty good. I thought AWE was terrible. And uh, I just I kind of want Remedy to get over it and just move on to something something better. All right. Well, I did spend some money on it, so I might still check it out, obviously. But... Um... Yeah, it's, I, I think that we both can say the ending of this is we recommend Control the video game, the yep. first one. Yep. And Agreed. That's Agreed. Agreed. All right, cool. Uh, let me take over for a second here. I want to do a couple quick check-ins. Um, first, I want to check in on Struggling, which I believe we talked about last week. Does that sound correct to you? Oh, yeah, that game that I hate. Yes, I actually ended up loving it. I finished that game, dude. I finished. Oh, you've got issues. Rolled credits. I do have issues. Yeah. Struggling, for people who don't remember, is a 2D physics-based game where you play a weird blobby monster dude who has two arms, and each control stick controls one of the arms. And so the whole game is basically like Octodad in 2D, where you're kind of like trying to climb steps with your weird blobby body and the weird physics, and you're trying to do all sorts of like really challenging physical activities with a body that really doesn't cooperate very well. Um, and I gotta say, so this game is super difficult. I do not recommend it to anybody who has not very much patience because I this, this game was pushing me to my max, right? Like, it's really hard. It's really aggravating. They ask you to do a lot of really, really challenging stuff. Uh, so the, the difficulty level is like a 10 out of 10. Uh, but I really like the art design. I really like the concept. And I have to say, this game has a fantastic sense of humor. I was laughing so hard at some of the stuff that comes up in the second half when the developers kind of just go nuts and just go they just throw everything in including the kitchen sink yeah. all sorts of crazy stuff happened it gets really meta there's all sorts of just weird things you know we talked i don't know if you remember or not but last week we talked about 
Each of the heads has a button that is de dedicated to talking. And at the point that I was in, you asked me if the talking did anything. I said, no, they just make a little burbling sound or whatever. Uh, and there is a, there's something that happens that you use the talking button for at the end of the game. It was fucking hilarious. It mm. was just really good. So I don't, I don't recommend this to anybody who's looking for a laugh because it is balls hard to get through this and you will like, you, you're, you know, you will go crazy trying to finish this game. But if you enjoy the challenge of the gameplay, which I did, um, I don't generally like hard games, but this one struck me in just the right way. Uh, I thought it was really fun to play, even though I kind of hated it at times. I'm glad I finished it. And man, some of that stuff, like it was worth seeing through all the way in. There were some crazy, just like they kept having stranger and stranger scenarios. It got really like surreal just bizarre stuff I could have never, ever predicted would have been in that game. And it just ended up being a really, really great time. So if you've got the patience and you want something that is 1 million percent fucking weird, off the wall, bizarre, uh, struggling is great. But you got to be a very particular kind of person. You got to want uh, you got You're going to yeah. have to want to struggle. You're going to have to struggle to get through struggling. That is absolutely for real. But I liked it. I ended up finishing it. I'm really glad I liked it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. All right. I'm still passing. Okay, hard pass, Carlos. Hard pass. Not going to convince it. We're going to just move on. Quick shout out to West of Dead, which we talked about a while ago. Uh, it came out originally on PC and Xbox One. I played the beta. This is a top-down roguelike starring uh, Ron Perlman as the voice of your main character. He's like an undead cowboy with a flaming skull for a head. And he is going through some kind of purgatory, shooting the ghosts of bad guys, and uh, just doing like roguelike stuff, you know. Uh, I like the action. Uh, a lot of like jumping over stuff like diving with your guns blazing a lot of shooty shoot um it's really good but the reason i'm talking about it this week is that it came out on switch a uh, brand new version on switch and i originally thought that switch would be the platform where i wanted to play it the most because that is where i play all my roguelikes like you know, get in bed you do one or two runs you put it down like it's just it just feels like a good place to play a roguelike but after trying west of dead on the switch i i, I take that back i do not think it is best on the Switch, I think I was wrong to think that, although I did have good reason to think that. But actually, I think it's better on Xbox One, and I'll tell you why. Um, for some strange reason, there are fewer options on the Switch than there are on the Xbox One. I, I looked into the game, and it's really, really dark, right? Like, a lot of the levels are pitch black. You can't see much, and I'm not a fan of that, right? So on the Xbox One, you could turn the brightness up. That option does not exist on the Switch, what? and I don't understand why. It's literally not there. I fired up the Switch, fired up the Xbox One, had the game running on both consoles, held them up side by side, and the one on Switch literally has fewer options than the one on Xbox One. I, I don't know why. It makes no mm. sense. So you have fewer options to adjust the experience, which is not good. I don't know why they did that. Um, the controls are not great on the Switch, but that's not the game's fault. It's the Switch's fault because anytime you want to do precise shooting with those sticks, it's not great. That's not where the, the Switch has its strengths. So it was okay, but also um, I just didn't it was smaller and i feel like that game plays better when you've got a bigger screen so you can see more details um with it being so dark and a lot of enemies hiding in the dark i noticed i was dying more often because i wasn't seeing them and i'm not able to change the options and the screen was smaller so i mean it's okay like if you don't have any other way to play west of dead i still think it's worth playing i think it's pretty neat and the developers have patched it a few times since launch it's gotten some balance to it uh, it's a little smoother. Some of the bugs have been ironed out. So it's a better experience than it was at launch. But if you were able to play it on PC or play it on Xbox One, I would say play it there because the bigger screen uh, really does make it more visible. And in this particular roguelike, 
I feel like visibility is pretty important. So it's okay on the Switch. I don't hate it. But if I'm going to choose, I'm going to choose the Xbox One version. So there you go. Heads up. But let me say a but there. Okay, go for it. Um, we very rarely have, uh, we both, either of us, talk about Switch games docked. So I'm wondering if on your TV it would be better, obviously. You know, that's a good that's a good point. And to be perfectly honest with you, that didn't even occur to me. I had forgotten about docking it because I usually um, i am playing the Switch in bed. And I have the Switch Lite, so I don't, even, I don't even have that option. But I'm just saying. Oh, people do that's yeah. right. That's right. So I guess it's possible that it could be fine if you docked it. But, you know, it's weird because a lot of games, if they're not Nintendo um, first-party games, they seem to kind of run, like, less well in docked mode for some reason. I don't know the mechanics of it. I don't know the engineering. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could try it. But yeah, knowing just... that I would play this game mostly in handheld mode, it, the it just it was fine, but I've I've played it better on the xbox one so it felt like a step down to me yeah i mean you you play again like the podcast uh we have like specifics that we like on this podcast and you like switch games for the handheld version most of the time so most of the time that's kind of like the review is for the switch handheld version but yeah i think uh, i think when the switch pro comes out i'll pick one up and then that'll allow me to do more docked kind of um nintendo games and i'll be excited about that all right, excellent. I am going to turn it back over to you. You've got a couple of things to talk about here. Let's start off with the Outer Worlds DLC. The Outer Worlds open, uh, I mean, open-ish sort of world uh, RPG. You're in space. Kind of a lot of uh, parallels with something like a Fallout. Uh, the new DLC is called, what is it called? Something about... Peril on Gorgon. Okay, I knew it was something like that. Peril on Gorgon. Okay, so... Uh, I'm not super familiar with the main game. I only played a little bit and did not play the whole thing, but I know you liked it a lot. Uh, what is this new DLC all about? Fill us in, Carlos Rodella. Outer Worlds, by the way, is fucking great. And if you liked Fallout, if you like uh, first-person open-world-ish RPG story, choices make a difference. It's Obsidian, right? Like, it's they're fucking great. It's a great, great game. One of my favorites. Um I don't know what that means. There's not a list, but it's one of, it's one <laughs> it's of my okay favorites. It's okay to like it. That's fine. We yeah. didn't have to rank it. So I was really uh, sad when it ended because I just wanted to do more. And uh, this is an interesting intro to this mini review and that fact that when games um, are over and they are like these kind of games where they tell you what happened, right? Like, because you made these choices, here's how the world went. Oh, yeah. I love right? when that happens. Yeah, I love and that. That's really fun. And they did that with Fallout. Um, and it also though jumps really forward in the future. Like, and you were an older person later and did all these things. So really just kind of seal the deal going like, that's the end of this game, but motherfuckers get out of here, you know? So are you still the same character, like your same crew or are they kind of giving you like a mini reboot? This is why I'm bringing it up. Oh man. All right. right. Do tell. You are asking the right questions. Okay. Uh, that's how it ended. That's how I like the ending. I was like, that's really cool. And now we don't have to like can wash my hands of it and i thought dlc might just pick up a different story or whatever but no like many games the dlc is before you finish the game Uh, so lots of times the developers are banking on the fact that people don't finish games or they haven't finished it yet so you know all they go as long as you finish a couple first early missions you can do this dlc well for someone like me who's literally on the precipice of finishing the game i had to go back like 10 saves 
to find a place where I could actually get out of like. Oh shit! Really? So you couldn't you couldn't access it from where you had left off? No, because I was like in the spaceship to do the big thing at the end, you know. And I'm like, or not spaceship, it's like a base. But so I had to like find one before I went to the final base, and I was still leveled up and it was fine. But I have a real problem, just Carlos, like mentally accepting that I'm like changing the timeline of my game's canon. It's not cool to do that, dude. We it's get into not. Stories. I'm like, no, no, no. My thing ended, and there, and I'm like, okay, Carlos, listen, you already bought this. You love Outer Worlds. This is the discussion I had. And uh, you can do this. Just pretend that it's an alternate timeline. And you never really finished the game. That happened in a different timeline. In this timeline, you've, you've yet to finish it. And then I convinced myself it was okay to play the DLC. But I'm glad I did because, holy shit, this is fun. I think one of my favorite things in gaming, I've decided this after wow, this DLC. Wow, that's, that's a big announcement. Well, wait, the announcement is this. Not the Outer Worlds DLC is my favorite thing in gaming. What I've decided is first-person melee RPG leveling up my character is probably one of my favorite, probably the top two favorite types of games. Oh, okay. We knew this. We knew this. Did we? We lean that way. We did. We talked about this. Okay, but I mean, like, in specific, it's like, if I level up my character, I'm in first-person, and I'm doing melee, that's probably top of the line. You talked about this at length when you were talking about, what's another game from Avalanche? Not uh, the the first-person... I talked about it during Greedfall, and I said third person RPGs no, leveling not up. Greedfall. Oh. It comes from okay. I can't remember. It was that first oh, person. Oh, oh, Rage. No, it wasn't Rage. What Rage, was Rage Two. Rage Two. That's what. Yeah, it yeah, was. yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, we yes. Into that. We yeah, okay, into you're that. right. But that had shooting in it. This I don't do any shooting in, in Outer Worlds. Like this one, I just do a, a big hammer. Right. And, right. Right. Uh, anyways, the point is, I really, really want more games like that, and I think that's why I liked um, what is it, Shadow Warrior, because that first person kind of actiony melee thing it's just really fun to me so that aside and that's what i really enjoyed doing um yeah i just like other people also say they don't like games when they're too easy because they're they're over leveled i disagree i had two girls with me um what, what's her name pavardi and oh no nicola or whatever forgot her name i don't know anyways me, man. they're both with me and they're badass and they have armor and they literally just like light fools up as soon as they come near me, and and then I hit people's heads off with my hammer. It other people might be like, "Oh, you're too overpowered for this DLC." I role play it and go, "Listen, I'm gonna do whatever I want." So if I meet somebody and they go, "I don't think you should do that," you know, roll for persuasion. I'm like, "Here's my <laughs> persuasion. These two girls behind me are gonna kill you." So and for me that was really fun to just be like. This is how I, my character is right now, and these girls are badass, and we just want to do what we want to do. Um, also, the story's like magical too, and um, kind of horror at some point. It's great. I highly recommend it, and I also insanely highly recommend Outer Worlds. How long was it? Well, I was burning through it because I was like, oh my goodness, Carlos, this is what we love. Let's never ever do anything but this. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, I want to say six, eight, six or six hours. Okay, so not super long, but not you know, good enough for you to kind of dig your teeth into it and kind of. And I could have done side missions. I definitely saw there was some, but I got oh, so okay, okay. I got so focused on the like finishing the story 
um, anyways, it's it's worth whatever they're paying. I don't forgot what it cost. Fifteen dollars, twenty dollars. It's worth it. It's really really good uh, and really fun. Are you gonna go back and uh, complete all the side stuff? No, I'm not. But I am gonna finish the timeline. So later <laughs> on, I'm gonna go back and beat the game. You gotta rewrite that in your brain, right? Huh? But but if they drop another DLC on me, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe you shouldn't because they may have another one coming, dude. You gotta okay. yourself I'm gonna over wait. Again. I'm gonna wait. I'll wait. I'll wait. There you go. Okay. Uh, so that was the Outer Worlds DLC. Peril on Gorgon is what it was called. Is That's that right? it. Peril on Gorgon. It's like a detect a mystery and a horror thing, and it's really good. All right, excellent. That sounds like a win if you like the Outer Worlds, and if you haven't played the Outer Worlds, Carlos recommends it. Sounds good. Carlos, we also, uh, coming from you, have a little bit on Vampire the Masquerade, Coteries of New York, which is a based in the White Wolf uh, role-playing universe, uh, World of Darkness, I believe it's called. Uh, I played this earlier this year, loved it. It was like one of my favorite visual novels in memory. I had a great time with it. I recommended it to you, and I said, if you didn't like this one, you probably don't like visual <laughs> novels at all. Yeah. Um, so you finally got around to it. You downloaded it what, a couple days ago. You got into it. Yep. Cracked it. Started playing. Tell us what you think of Vampire the Masquerade, Coteries of New York. Yeah, I got into this because you wouldn't stop talking about it. And then also the kind of challenge that said, if I don't like this, then I don't like these types of games. And I was like, well, I need to figure that out. Challenge accepted. Challenge accepted. Um, I'll say some... I mean, I think overall I have a very positive uh, take on it. And I'll say this, and you probably already talked about this in length, but just to reiterate, it's a, it's a visual novel and it also has these animated, like slightly animated scenes. Yes, yes, yes. And that is done so perfectly. I don't Doesn't know what... Great? Isn't this a great looking game? What about it? Yes. It's like they gr- have great music. They have great sound effects. The, the sound effects tell a story. So, like, as you're hearing uh, some dialogue or you're re- reading some text, it, the text will talk about something being bloody or whatever, and they'll hear you'll hear sound effects in the background that sound like blood strips or something. Um, and then on top of that, the music is great, and the lighting, the lighting on those just a static image is good. I don't even know what that means, but it's like the lighting on an image is good. Um <laughs> Yeah, because it, well, it, no, it makes sense. Makes sense, dude. Because one of my biggest gripes about visual novels is they don't put enough into the visuals. They just have like a lot of text and a lot of right. still pictures. But this one actually jazzes it up. Like it's very pleasant to look at. Well, it's almost like I don't know if I want to go to other types of visual novels if they're not doing this because they did everything right, even down to the fact that I was in that like shitty like apartment building and in the distance, like way in the distance, because it's almost like a three D drawing in that way. You saw like a little silhouette of a janitor, and I was like that's a nice little touch you know i feel like i'm actually in this place instead of a static 2d image so holy shit it's really good with the graphics but also you know it's it's kind of a basic story i haven't got far enough into it to see if it takes a a wild turn i understand about the factions i understand um i of course i picked the faction that was going against what um what were the factions again I don't, I'm not enough of an expert on vampire, but uh, well, there's a faction mean, like. in the beginning. You pick like a faction that you want to start with, and I picked one that was like going against like, you know, fascist regime or something. Yeah, you're know. like the the punk, the kind of the rebel vampire group yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They don't want to go. You're not the. They're like the enemy of the corporate vampires. Yeah, I wasn't a corporate vampire. Yeah, and so then you know it's a, it's a, again in the very beginning it's a basic story, but it's told really well. 
Um, I would say that so far I haven't seen enough choices making a difference, but I'm guessing that's... Is that at just at the end, or do you feel it starts taking place throughout the game? Um, it's really hard to say because I had such a good experience with it. Like, I wanted just to kind of... Kind of like what you did with um, Outer Worlds. I, I, I played through, and I did not replay it, and I didn't want to see what the other choices were because I was really happy with my my quote-unquote like canon playthrough mm. so i felt like if i went back and replayed it i would be kind of undoing some of the good memories i had of it yeah, so yeah, yeah. i don't know how different those choices are but i was really happy with the way that it went yeah no i'm, I'm happy with my character and what the decisions he's, uh, he's making and um it just feels like a really like r- real realized world um and i'm enjoying it um so i think i like these games but i am also gonna like be smitten by these graphics and if if it's just like boring ass graphics, I don't know if I could do it. Uh, that helps. And also an interesting thing is when I started playing it, I was like texting somebody and like the things that we were texting about were in the game. <laughs> and it was like, I was like in a really in sync moment. So I think that helped make it cooler. You know, I don't know if you ever had that happen, but like things just seem to be all in sync all of a sudden. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. most of the time it's like Alexa listening into your conversations, and then showing you an advertisement That's... of the thing you were just talking about. But now, I love how you like took that, took my cosmic idea of reality and connection and in sync. <laughs> You're like, yeah, Carlos, it's probably Alexa. Uh, she was probably listening. No, this was magic. There's a magical moment going on, um, and um, I have another magical moment I'll talk about later in the podcast. But yeah, I think that magic aside, I really enjoy it. I'm definitely going to finish it, and I want to see what the where the story goes. Um, I'm just a little bit like I kind of want these types of graphics in my in my t- in my adventures. Well, I will tell you, um, every visual novel has worse graphics than this. Like oh, this shit. to me, it's like the high point. They went Wait, all what, out. What are you I, doing to me? Then you were like, if you like this one, well, that's what I mean. Like this is like the best of the best. So if you don't like the oh, best of the best, you're it. not going to like the worse. Right? No, you're you right. Know, so I w- you know what I mean. So I wouldn't want to recommend a worse one because uh, you know what I mean. So if this if this doesn't get you. Okay. Nothing will, and so it seems the, like you're getting on okay with it. The answer to the challenge is, it did get me, okay. and, and I'm into it. So I'm going to finish this one, and we'll see what happens um, with other ones that aren't as good graphic-wise. Excellent. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm glad to hear. I want to. We're going to check back on this. I want to see what you think after you finish it. I thought the story was really well done, or I thought the writing was really good. I like the characters. And the, the thing that's kind of neat is that there's a bunch of different people you can hang out with, but you do not have enough time to hang out with all of them. So you do have to choose... Um, you know who you want to spend the most time with which of their stories you want to finish because you're not going to be able to roll credits on all of those people like i think there's like ultimately i want to say like eight different characters that you can be friends with mm. but you only have time to finish like four stories so you're going to end up not you know with question marks at the end and you're not going to see it all but pretty cool and also right. the sequel slash expansion just came out i believe it's called shadows of new york um i bought it uh, last night or the night before. I have not started it yet, but I am super, super excited. I love Coteries. I didn't know Shadows of New York was even coming until I saw it in the eShop, and I'm like, oh my god. How, where did this oh come god. from? Oh my god. Also, I, I was about to buy that one instead of this one. Yes, yes. So and I've heard you got to play Coteries first. I'm glad you went back to play Coteries first. Um, probably Shadows will make a lot more sense that way. But I'm very stoked. I'm going to get into Shadows pretty soon. Maybe even tonight, possibly. Very excited. I love this series. I think this is a great visual novel. So, All right. Excellent. Well, I'll check back in. I'm excited about it. All right. Let me uh, hijack the podcast for a few seconds here. First off. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Time out. Time out. All right, I cannot ahead. say something to that. Go You're ahead. not hijacking. We, it's a podcast and we're co-hosts. <laughs> we, th- you it go next. It edgy and dangerous when I oh, hijack okay, the podcast. Okay. Okay. If you want to make it. 
Okay, Carlos, hold on one second. Hold on to these cords and this rope. I'm gonna I'm gonna hijack this. Hijacking the podcast. That is a little bit of extra excitement for the listeners. Yeah, spice it up a little bit. Well, now I added the excitement back into your excitement. Okay, go ahead. Ready and hijack. And hijack. I'm talking about a game called Paradise Killer, which is on PC and on Switch. Um, A lot of people are going bananas for this game. A lot of people are ranking it as one of their best games of the year. Uh, So I was very excited to get into it. It is uh, also a visual novel slash first-person exploration in an open-world game slash detective novel slash, I don't know, courtroom drama sort of a thing. Lots of slashes in this game. It has the vision. I mean, the visuals are fucking amazing in this game. Like the visuals are so on point. Like it is hand drawn art, um, static images, but like there's this killer like '80s theme where there's like neon and like you know turquoise and hot pink, and the characters kind of look like a mix between something of like maybe like a persona with uh, you know maybe like something else kind of like really edgy, like maybe like a No More Heroes sort of a vibe or something like that. Um, the art art style is killer, like killer art style. I thought it was so good. That was really what kind of sold me on it um, because I just saw the screenshots and I'm like, wow, whatever this is, I need to play this game. So I jumped into it on the Switch and I have to say, I do not like it at all. Oh, I hate shit. It. <laughs> that took a left turn. That hijack took a left turn. turn. <laughs> I can't stand this game. I really, really dislike it. And um, so caveat. Wait, I think that what well, good. I was gonna say before you say that, I'm looking at the reviews, and also I like all the character art. Like it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. The yeah, art yeah. is so good. The reviews are nine ten, nine out of ten, ninety one out of a hundred, four point five out of five, nine out of ten, five out of five, and now your review. Yeah, I gotta be honest, dude. Like I think that if you are the kind of person who likes this kind of game, it is a very targeted experience. Um, the writing is—I don't even know how to even describe it. It's like it's very eccentric writing. And it is purposefully obtuse. The game begins with like this huge like lore dump and they don't really explain anything. It kind of just like vomits all this lore at your feet and it's like, get into it or don't. It's up to you. I'm going to do my thing. If you want to come along with me because I'm so fucking cool, go for it. But I'm not going to explain anything to you and you got to keep up. And then it's up to you whether you accept that challenge or not. Uh, When games do that to me, I fucking hate it. Like it repels me immensely um, because I feel like it's a lot of skill and a lot of um, craft to be able to present challenging material to people and get them to successfully engage with it. It is a skill for sure. Like it is a very hard thing to do. And so when games do it well, I really respect that. When I feel like games do it poorly, um, I, I really, I bounce off it really hard. I feel like these guys were very into their own lore, which is fine, but I feel like they did not onboard me. Uh, but that is just, I'm speaking about myself here because clearly a lot of people really like this game. Um, I will say this game feels a lot like uh, 999. Did you ever play 999, Carlos? That sounds familiar, but I don't think I did. That was another video visual novel that a lot of people fucking love, and I hate it. I can't stand it. Like I, it just it rubs me absolutely the wrong way. I don't think it's written well. It bothers me. I think it's just really full of crap and garbage, and it just is a waste of my time. But a lot of people swear by 999. That is a lot of people's favorite visual novel, and I can't stand it. So if you like and there's nothing wrong with liking it. Like, I'm not trying to yuck anybody's yum. I'm just speaking for myself here. But I hate I hate that game. But if you like 999, I have a very strong suspicion that you will really like Paradise Killer. It's got the same vibe of being super weird, where they don't explain very much, and crazy things happen for, like, seemingly random reasons. And everybody's got a weird fucked up name that's really hard to remember. 
and you don't exactly know why you're doing things, but you feel like everything looks so cool that you just kind of like the game anyway. That's the kind of vibe I get from this game, and I just, I didn't connect with any of it, especially um, that it's an open world exploration game, which absolutely destroyed the experience for me, because you're in this world, and they're like, okay, hey, um, these people have been killed, and you're an investigator, so go investigate. Okay, so like, what should I do? I don't know, go find something, go find a clue. Uh, like, uh. what here, bitch? Like, I don't know where to go, I don't know what I'm doing, and they just let you go, like, you got the entire world, and there's people you can talk to, but it's like, how do I get there? I'm not sure how I get there. I got to just walk. Well, what am I looking for? And there's these little things you got to find. And if you happen to not see that clue, you will just never find that clue because no one will tell you where it is. And you got to just figure it out on your own. And I just like started wandering and just, it just, I, I felt like my, my lifespan was ticking away as I was playing this game. And I felt like it was just like a waste of time, waste of time, waste of time. It just didn't present me with like content that I felt like was worth the lifespan I was spending on it. Yeah. Um, so I was gonna say that there's some 3D environments too, which is interesting. Yes, 3D um, environments. They want you to also platform. There's platform jumping in this, and first-person platform jumping is never one of my favorite things. So I just the everything this game was doing, I think, will very much appeal to a certain kind of person who likes aggressively weird, who likes really eccentric, who likes hipster. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not judging you guys, but like, it is a very specific taste. So if that is if that is your taste, you are still a good person and I love you, but I am not sharing that taste. So this game was like I was allergic to this fucking game. I couldn't quit playing it fast enough. But it's gonna really click with a lot of people out there. So if you like 999, if you like, I don't know, like No More Heroes, if you like really, really bizarre visual novels, this might be your jam. Yeah. Uh, but for me, this is poison. I, I'm I getting, couldn't get out of this game fast enough. I'm getting vibes of Zanky Zero. Really? Yeah, because it's got that first-person thing going on a little bit, right? Uh, it's got weird characters. It got it has kind of like, just walk around and figure things out, and then we'll tell you a story. Um, I don't know. I'm getting a little bit of that vibe. Which, by the way, I bounced on that game finally. Oh, did you? Did yeah. you? Why, why is that? It's just it, it, it felt like maybe something similar where, like, just they kept adding new weird-ass elements. And I was like, but, but why, though? <laughs> And they're yeah. like, no, no, because reasons. And um, reasons, yeah, absolutely. And now there's these little pink pigs, and and they're actually just as strong as you are. And oh, I I died by the little pigs. Why did I die by? Why? I thought I was upgrading. I I just got really confused by that. So, I think kind of going back to the control DLC for me, like you can get so open and so you know out there that maybe it's hard to um, figure out what you're supposed to be doing, but. Anyways, yeah. I do anyway. like the character art. The character art looks amazing. Oh, man. The character art is fucking killer. The music is really good. Like, presentation-wise, this game is, like, amazing. But holy shit, I had, like, negative fun playing this game. So, But but there's people out here who love it. That might be your jam. Not my jam. Might be your jam. So check that out if you like. Also, one game uh, that I think, again, really cool art, but I hate playing, is called Here Be Dragons. It's on PC. It's also on Switch. I played it on Switch. Uh, it is, you know, those old timey maps where people used to think the earth was flat and they would draw the map. And at the end of the end of the map, it would be like the edge of the world. And there'd be like those big dragons in the world. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like those old, like, I don't even know what era those maps were from. But, you know, like a pirate map or something where they'd be like uncharted waters. And there's like a giant squid eating a giant dragon. Yeah, that's in the, in the Ultima map, too, actually, I think. <laughs> oh, is it really? Yeah, yeah. They had dragons, I think, in there. So that is what this game looks like. It looks exactly like one of those maps. The visual style is awesome because uh, it is a turn-based 
combat game. I don't want to say it's an RPG because it's not. You play as a series of ships, uh, and they are drawn to look like those old-timey map ships, and you are in a sea that looks like the map, and you fight other ships and monsters that look like they are from those old-timey maps. The whole thing looks like a map that's moving. It's awesome. Like, it looks great. I love the way it looks. Art style is on point. Um, unfortunately, the campaign is a drag because the writing is awful. I think the writing is really annoying. Um, it seems like it's written by somebody who thinks he's really a lot funnier than he is, and I just think that the jokes don't land, and I think it's tedious to read that text, and I think it's just really obnoxious. I wish that they had just gone with something more straightforward, or even removed the story altogether. That would have been fine as well. So the story parts really turn me off, um, and the combat is quite difficult, uh, and it's also really complicated. Did you ever play Tharsis by any chance? What is it called? Tharsis? Tharsis. About spacecraft going to Mars and the people turn cannibal. Did you ever play that? No, I don't think so. Okay, that game is... that game. Okay, we're not going to get into it, but it has similar mechanics. That's why I bring it up. In this game, you roll dice, virtual dice, and each ship that you have has a little square where a dice can go. So, like, you roll the dice, and then whatever result you get, you can take one of those dice and slot it into your ship. So, like, let's say you get, like, one or a two. That means, oh, the ship will heal. If you roll a five or a six, that means the ship is going to fire its big cannons. And if you get a three or a four, that means the ship does fuck all nothing. So, like, you roll the dice, and every time you get a dice, you have to pick where that dice goes, and that tells the ship what to do. Um, your enemies are also drawing from the same dice, and then there's also... All sorts of, like, other little elements that go into it. And it's really, really complicated. I'm not going to explain the whole thing. But, like, there's, like, initiative. There's, like, redoing a role. There's, like, all sorts of, like, little things that go into it that are just a lot of rules to remember. And the game does an okay job of explaining itself. It took me quite a while to kind of figure out all the nuances. I eventually figured it out. Uh, but I, I stopped playing it because, number one, I thought the story mode was really irritating. But also, um, a lot of it just came down to too much random generation. Like, anything based on dice... I feel like has to have a lot of systems that help mitigate some of that randomness. And I don't feel like this game really does that. I was dying. Like for every battle I won, I probably lost like four or five battles. Mm. And just that it just got really boring and depressing to like keep doing the same battles over and over. And it's not a good feeling to feel like I would have won if I had rolled a six, but I didn't roll a six. And so therefore I lost. And yeah. then I got to do the whole battle again. Like it's not, that's not a good kind of repetition. Like there's really nothing I can do as a player to improve my performance like in dark souls you can choose a different weapon you can get better with your uh attacking you can learn how to parry or if you are in a first person shooter you can choose a different gun you can practice your aiming in this game it's like it just comes down to rolling the dice and of course there is some strategy in where you put those dice but if the dice you need doesn't come up it doesn't come up and you're fucked so i don't feel like the game mitigates that enough and i was losing way too much and i got really frustrated and i didn't like the story anyway so I bailed on it, but I will, again, say it looks amazing. I love the artwork. I think it looks great. I just wish it was more fun to play. Yeah, it looks – I was looking at some of the art while you were talking about it, and that map stuff looks great. It's, it's just super so cool. cool. It's looking. so cool. Yeah, it's really cool. I wish it was more fun. So anyway, that was Here Be Dragons on the Switch. A couple more games. We're going to wrap it up here. Carlos, you are playing a brand-new turn-based tactics game called the Wintermoor Tactics Club. The only thing I know about this is I saw a trailer – it basically looks like you're taking a bunch of Harry Potter kids at Hogwarts and then doing turn-based tactics battles with them. Is that even remotely close? Close, but kind of. Um, it's not the it's not the, the the setup isn't that they're going to a magic school, you know, like um, being wizards or whatever. It's uh, they're just kids at a regular school, 
and there's a bunch of clubs at that at the school and they're all different types of clubs and you just happen to be in one that's the tactics club which means you like playing D D and like doing you know little miniatures on the map and and playing those kind of games so you're like a part uh you play as alicia and she's i'd like to say like nerdy but not like geeky which means like still has social skills but just likes what she likes um, which is worse is a geek worse or is a nerd worse so let's get into that real quick as a quick fun tangent maybe we can make this a side um clip in the podcast in my opinion a geek is someone who is like socially awkward and you know can have like nerdy things that they're into but maybe doesn't like get along in social situations and is more like you know stays by themselves and maybe even clumsy and then in my mind nerd is someone who is really into certain things like you know nerdy for comics or nerdy for whatever you could be nerdy for martial arts really nerdy for something but also like what you're nerdy for maybe other people don't get or understand uh you know because like there's like comic book nerds right and there's video game i guess nerds because that's one of the original or something and that's just how i see it and but yet the nerd can be like get along with their group or potentially can be the life of the party and like kind of be a class clown that's so it seems like on the social scale geek is like more is less socially acceptable than nerd is that how you'd rank that i think so but also who cares like there's nothing that's socially acceptable um, but then that being said, like in the eighties, there was movies called revenge of the nerds. And I would call those people in that movie geeks, but it doesn't matter. Here, <laughs> here's the point. The point is, here's the point folks. Being a nerd is awesome there. I don't think there's anything, all of it's just words. So, but if you're like nerdy for something, if you're like really into something, uh, I think you could be a, a nerd about anything. And so this group of people are into tactics and D and D. And that's their kind of jam. But I like it because I want to see more games where they're, they're, they aren't these people that I'm talking about, which is like, oh, yeah, stereotypical uh, tape between the glasses and tripping all over time and, and whatever. Now, they still deal with bullies, but that's like a school thing. And when they're together, they're like they feel comfortable and they're playing D&D and it's cool. And when they meet other people, they don't immediately just like you know, get pushed up against a locker. They have their own confidence and stuff like that. So I know this isn't about the game yet, but I would like to see more games that have, you know, characters who have likes and and things they're really kind of into, but not necessarily stereotypically a nerd or geek. Does that make sense? You want to see more, more writing where the characters feel like actual humans. Yeah, because I felt like I could be with their club. Like I was like, yeah, fuck those assholes out there in in the hallway. They're, They're stupid. You know, and and I like what we're doing in here. So anyways, the actual game, though, um, I actually saw back at PAX like two years ago, three years ago. Oh, really? Okay, I must miss this one. Yeah. And it was in one of those like special like hotels, you know, where they're showing indie games. Oh, yeah. I got to go up to the suite. Yeah. And I remember liking a lot and I forgot. I apologize, but I definitely feel like I talked to developer or developers and really enjoyed the idea. But what is your again you play alicia you're part of this little taxi club and you're you're two friends and you're trying to like do D &D. and so when you do D D together it jumps to that's like the actual game mechanics which are fighting monsters and you roll dice and you 
you know, uh, have special moves and you gain things, etc., like gain abilities. But then when you go back out to the real world, you're in this school that has a bunch of clubs and all the clubs are essentially competing to, to, I guess, be around, like be the best club. And there was even a Victor, was it Victorian era club where they like wanted to bring back like, uh, what was it called? Victorian era. It was interesting. They were like, we're going to bring back the old days of like, you know, um, I don't know. It's essentially like, what's it called? Like the feudal system, you know? Oh, you mean like the Lords and ladies and stuff? Yeah. 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 And then the, the, you know, one of your friends is like fascists (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, it's really funny. So, so what you do is in the real world, you battle the club, the clubs, but they're actually supposedly just like snowball fights. And then what's interesting is when it goes into the actual battle, it goes to the, the D and D, uh, board where you're like the little miniatures. Wait, I'm getting lost here. Okay, so let's back it up a little bit. Just for my own head. So when the kids are in the tactics club and they do battles there, they are like they're role playing D and D scenarios. So you do tactics battles there as the player, fighting monsters, because that is what the kids are doing in the game's fiction. They're playing D and D or something. Yeah. But when they are out in the quote unquote real world outside of the club, there are also those are also tactics battles as well. Yeah, because essentially what happens is the first time you meet another club and you've basically the the I don't know, not principal, but whatever the head of the school is like, hey, every all these clubs have to compete against each other. And they're all different. Like there's like a psychic club, there's a Victorian era club, they're all different clubs, and they they're go, Well, how do we fight each other? We're not gonna fight each other. And they go, Well, you have to do a snowball battle, which is really interesting, um, that they picked that. And so when you do the first snowball battle, it just goes to the board and your friends are like, let's challenge, let's do this like a tactics game that we normally do. And so it turns into that. So it but is a little still throwing snowballs and stuff, but you're not, no, you're actually like playing a D and D type battle. What? I, I was expecting for you to say that you were going to like use tactics, but still throw snowballs. Like you'd be out in the playground or something. You know, I, that's what I thought was going. And so I can see why you it's confusing because it is. This is weird. I but this, this is weird. It's it's weird, but I like the execution of it and I do like the story of it because what's interesting is you don't you're not always fighting, right? You're not always doing these battles. And when you're not, you're talking to people and like learning about people and helping them out. And like this one girl like needed to get a job and so you went and found like uh, an odd an odd job she might like and because you helped her, she's like, "Here, have this." And then she gave you like an art like a a weapon upgrade or an armor upgrade for the battles. So you're essentially like jumping back between two worlds. Like you'll do things for the real people in the real world. And those things will transfer over to your battles. You're kind of losing me on this one. I'm usually a tactics guy and this is not your fault, but I'm listening to this game and I'm like, you know, I was watching the trailer and I'm like, uh, I don't know about this one. And I don't know. Something about this is, is setting off the spider sense. I'm not, not feeling it's fine. One. It's fine. I, I like it for what it is. I like the story that they're trying to tell. And I, I appreciate the difference in characters. Um, and I just felt like, I don't know why, for some reason I felt kind of drawn to the story and I wanted to know what this little nerdy, again, nerdy, uh, this little D and D club was going to do. Like if they were going to win, like what's going to happen? Like I need to finish this <laughs> and no, but it is weird in the execution of like these are snowball battles, but no, 
they're actually D and D battles on a on a board. That is um, disappointing. I think I would like it better if they were actual snowball battles. Yeah, you know what though? I am early in the game, and so maybe this switches at some point, and it turns into it actually becomes real fantasy battles, and you know I don't know. So I think I'm too early to say the full scope of what the the game is, but that's what I've played so far, and just on the characters alone and the kind of like you know I kind of got into the nerdy D and D club and wanted to find out what happened to him. All right, so you feel like you're going to finish this one out? I think I have to. Like I, yeah, I think I have to. I want to know. Like I'm I'm on their side, and I'm like so on their side. I'm like you know fuck those bullies in the hallway and this other club is stupid and. I don't know. I lost myself in it. So I'm kind of in it for a little bit. All right. Sounds good. We will circle back. Let us know when you wrap up Wintermore Tactics Club. You're playing this on PS4. Is that correct? Yep. All right. I believe it's also on everything. I think it's on Switch. I think it's on PC. I think it's on Xbox One. Uh, So check that out and we will circle back at some point and we will wrap that up. Uh, A couple more games Q&A and then we're out of here. First up, Fight Crab comes out for the Nintendo Switch today. Have you seen Fight Crab, Carlos? Nope. I'm going to Google it right now. It is exactly what it sounds like. You play crabs, literal, actual crabs, who fight other crabs uh, with physics, and you also have weapons. This game is Bananas. Uh, The developer comes from, I think it's called Kalapa Games. They make a bunch of games that are all, like, fish-themed. Uh, there was one that had like a school of fish that shot lasers, and there was a couple other ones that are all just really bizarre, really unconventional. Um, a lot of them are pretty low rent. Uh, I gotta say, this I think I've played all their games, and I think this is the best one so far. Uh, looks the best, the best put together, has the most features, feels the most rounded. Uh, but literally, it is about fucking taking crabs, actual real life crabs. Like they take the actual species. Like I'm starting with, uh, I feel like you start with like an Alaskan king crab or something. There's like a coconut crab, there's like the red crab, there's like a dungeness crab, there's like a rock crab. These are all real real crabs. These people know they're fucking crabs. Uh, there's also lobsters. I believe there's a couple other things as well in there. And you just fight. Uh, you can play with the motion controls with your Joy-Cons detached. I do not like the way that feels. That feels bad to me. Uh, but that's just me because I don't like uh, motion controls in general. So I'm sure that maybe some people would like to do that. I do not do that. I play it with the Joy-Cons attached to the switch controls just fine uh each button controls like one of your claws and you can uh, scuttle back and forth up and down uh you can grab and pinch you can uh, punch with your claws and then the game just gets like more and more insane like you're eventually playing like in the middle of a city and you're giant crabs and you're tiny crabs you're playing on top of a, a table in a chinese restaurant and you have weapons you can have like a katana in one claw and like a gun in your other claw you like walk into a fight and you're like a sword sword wielding crab who also shoots a gun and you can have uh like turbine jets attached to your claws so you can punch with them and then you can turn them on and the jet spins up and you fucking fly around the fuck fly around the fucking the arena hell? with your jets it's bananas but it is exactly my kind of bananas um it's really crazy. It's really funny. There's leveling up. There's a shop where you can buy all sorts of weapons like sickles and swords and knives and bats and hammers and Excalibur and all this kind of crazy stuff. You can get a little helper crab to go with you so you can like buddy up and the AI will control the other crab. You can level up your buddy crab. Uh, I mean, it is just like, like if I say the words fight crab and that gets you excited, like you will probably <laughs> like this game because that is literally what it's all about. Like you were, you were crabs fighting. That's that's it. Like, it tells you up on Front Street what this game is. You are crabs fucking fighting. It is fight 
crab. Some say it's the crab game of the year. I would say it's absolutely the crab game of the year. It is <laughs> it is the one and only outstanding in its field. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I mean, the, the physics are crazy. A lot of weird stuff happens. You get superpowers, too. You can like do it into super crab mode. You can do like a Kamehameha wave. You can fly for a little bit. I mean, if I'm laughing just talking about it because I think this game is hilarious. And I'm playing a couple battles tonight. I think it's really fun. Uh, but you have to go into it expecting physics goofiness. Uh, like literally 0% of this game is taken seriously. Uh, and it's just it's just really fun. If, if the idea of a crab holding a knife, stabbing another crab is interesting to you. And it's interesting to me. It's very interesting to me. Uh, if that sounds good to you, then this is absolutely a recommend. I think this is oh my a goodness. riot. I really dig this game. I'm um I'm a hard pass on this game. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I just think of crabs and I get kind of like, Ugh, and I don't want to control one and I don't want to see them get hurt. And does a crab shell come off of them when they get hit? No, no. There's no actual like dismemberment of crabs. If they die, they just flip on their back and they sink into the ground there's no, no there's no see, crab i don't even gore. like them on their back no this is a hard pass for me hard pass for carlos <laughs> i do not want to play crab games by the way fun side story yes um i'm sweating in my in my apartment because the air conditioning is off and i can't go outside and it's smoky outside and i think i might be hallucinating but here's a fun story <laughs> carlos is mentally decompensating in real time folks you heard it here first the i have a crab memory that is coming to me a little bit partially visually at this point. Uh, and it's from when I used to do, uh, I drove these comics uh, of me and my cousin, and they were called TNC, so Todd and Carlos. And we would go on adventures, and I have a lot of them still. And we found crabs in those games. And we I remember us going like, the crabs are dangerous. Run away. Run away from the crabs. And I think after that, I've never gotten over uh, not wanting to be around crabs. So you've got crab trauma. I think it's a little crab trauma from, from comics, weirdly enough. <laughs> Fictional uh, crab trauma, FCT. Yeah. I believe there are some medications currently out that can help you with that. I will not take them. I will not take them. But I'll also <laughs> not play this game. But it seems fun. If you like crabs, it's the crab game of the year. If you like crabs, it is 100% the fucking crab game of the year. <laughs> I, I think it's great. If you are even remotely thinking this seems like a fun thing. It is a fun thing. I think it's really fun, and it's funny, and it's goofy. So Fight Crab is a big thumbs up. I dig it a lot. Last game of the show, Welcome to Elk. This comes from developer from Denmark, Triple Topping. This is a 2D hand-drawn indie, which tells the story of a girl named Frigg who goes to an island. She's going there to be a woodshop assistant slash apprentice, something like that. And when she gets there, she is introduced to the kind of life that happens when you live in a very small town. And I'm talking about a town of like 12 people. So I have lived in a small town before, not as small as 12 people, but I have lived in a small town. And I know what that feels like, where everybody sees everybody every day. Everybody's in everybody's business. Everybody knows what's going on. And everybody has multiple hats to wear. Like maybe the sheriff is also the person that sliced the deli meat. And they also is your gardener and like the guy that works at the gas station is also like your roommate and he's also like the bartender or whatever. So like I know what that it feels like. It's a really strange, weird thing that people from the big city maybe can't understand. Uh, but Welcome to Elk really captures that very well. And the thing that's really interesting about Welcome to Elk is not only does it tell a good story about this girl coming to this island and interacting with the people there, it gets pretty real at times um, in two different ways. Number one, 
it does not shy away from dark material um there's this one guy on the island who basically says he's gonna rape her and he like is really threatening and really scary so despite the game looking really colorful and cartoony it really goes into some dark places um there's people who are talking about like dying there's um, a pet that uh, gets really sick and you have to put it down um, there's all sorts of stuff that happens that like normally games don't cover and it doesn't shy away from that which i really appreciated uh there were definitely some moments that made me a little bit uncomfortable which i think is a good thing um the other aspect of reality which this game integrates well is that the developers uh, i don't know maybe like halfway through they show you what was hiding up their sleeve and what was hiding up their sleeve was that all of the situations that you play through in the story are actually stories that happen to people in real life and the developers took those actual factual stories and you know reworked a few of the elements but then crafted all those stories together into one long storyline that your fictional character is going through so everything that happens to frig in the game fictionally is something that has actually happened to a real person in real life it's fucking which cool. to me fucking totally cool crazy madness stuff and so like you're playing the game and you're like this is weird this is why did this happen this wouldn't happen and then like it cuts to a scene of like the actual person in real life full motion video saying hi my name is so-and-so and this is my story and yes i did get drunk in the forest and i fell down and an elk fucking stepped on my head and i got an injury on my head and that's what happened and you're like oh my god i thought that was game bullshit but actually it happened to this guy in denmark wait so, but it happens in the middle of the game yeah they cut to it like right in the middle of the game they totally like take it they're like they're like time out we're going to see the guy who this actually happened to. And they tell their mm. fucking story right then and there. It's crazy and really unconventional and bizarre. Really meta in a way. And the way that they acknowledge that this is fact, but also you were playing through it as fiction, but then also it is reflecting real life, is really elegant and really interesting. And I can't say that I've ever played a game that made my brain go through the loops that this one does. I think it's really fascinating. But it doesn't take you out of it when they jump to that fourth break the fourth wall. I mean, it kind of does, but that's also kind of the point because they are kind of like pulling that curtain back where you are still the character, but at the same time, you are outside of the character as well. They're kind of doing both at the same mm. time, and I think they, they, they pull it off. It's really cool. It reminds me almost like of Drunk History, you know, how like it'll cut back to the drunk person talking about the story, but then it goes back to the story and shows like a whole reenactment of it. That is actually funny you mentioned that. That didn't occur to me until literally just when you said that, but yeah, I think there are some parallels to anybody who's seen Drunk History, which is a great show. Uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of that similar thing where here's the actual person, here's some fact, and then here's the reenactment. And yeah, it just kind of goes back and forth. It just, it just works. Like, it really works. It's really fascinating. Um, some of the stuff that they talk about uh, is really impactful and really kind of touched me in a good way. And I think that overall, it tells a really, really interesting story in a really interesting way, and I'm really super glad that I played it. Uh, the art also kind of has that Adventure Time feel. Um i think that's right it's like it's got that cartoony feel but also very cartoony yeah really fantastical too and um it's for xbox one and pc and i i think that's it i think pc yeah and mac and mac it's for mac os um well i can't play it on xbox one because i haven't bought my series s yet but i could play it on um windows on steam so yeah it looks really cool i think i really want to try it it's a short play. I think it's going to take you maybe three hours, maybe four hours um, to go through. And it's just, 
it's a very interesting i don't know that i necessarily want to say it's a game in the traditional sense i mean obviously it's a video game but it's more about like an experiential kind of story that you like go through on multiple levels which i think is absolutely worth checking out if you're at all interested in games development of games indie games this is a winner that's i mean i'm all about that kind of stuff and this is like their first major game i'm looking at their site and they made a game called spit kiss which which is little characters spitting on each other Yes, um, I think I saw that movie, and uh, that maybe it's a different movie I'm thinking of. I don't oh, know. it's a different movie. Yeah, there's there's a couple <laughs> different things about spitting and kissing. <laughs> but this is an extra game. It's actually for the Android and Steam. It's called Spit Kiss, and it's got the little characters, and they're spitting at each other. But then hearts pop up, um, which, again, gonna, is like a movie yeah. in some other We're going to leave that right there. We're going to move on real quickly and not touch that anymore. But well, welcome we, to Elf. Not touch it anymore. Hey, hey-o. Um, hey-o. <laughs> I'm going to buy Spit Kiss, though. Hold on. Spit Kiss looks fucking awesome. I'm going to buy it, too. I'm going to buy it right now, literally right now. Are you really? Because it's like I'm this gonna... kind of weird, um, like where you do the trajectory of like a particle and you try to like, like what's that kind of catapult style game? But sure, the right. art is really cool, and holy shit. I'm just like, I'm sorry, I'm watching the trailer. It's so cool. Spit Kiss. Everybody gets Spit Kiss. $1.99 on Android. I'm literally buying it right now. I just hit the purchase button. You purchased it as well. Wait, hold on. I'm going to purchase it real time. Let's do Buy this real time. Real time. Spit buying the game. Kiss. And yes, it's other things. Uh, if you Google that, we can't be. We yeah, can't no, tell safe you. search. Safe search on. Yeah. Do not just randomly Google that. But okay, so that's Spit Kiss. We will circle back to Spit Kiss. I just bought it. On a few, I just bought it too on a future episode, uh, but that is Welcome to Elk Xbox One PC. I think it's great. I had a great time with it. I think it's well worth it for anybody who likes to see the more experimental side of narrative indies. I really loved it a lot. So that, folks, is all of the games we have to discuss right now. But we before we go, we do have some Q and A. Uh, we got an email from listener and superfan Elio Campitelli. Elio, thank you for sending us your question. Carlos does not know what this question is. I have not read it to him, so he's going to be surprised. I'm going to lay it on him right now. Carlos, I will let you answer first, and then I will answer after you. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Elio Campitelli says, Hi, Brad and Carlos. Mass Effect is my favorite game series. I love the universe. I love the characters. I love what it tries to represent. I also played it at a perfect time for me emotionally. I know that a game with better... (laughs) Sorry, Elio. I know that a game with better gameplay, better story... A more fleshed-out world can and does exist, but at this point, I've played through the trilogy about four times, and I've got memories upon memories associated with it, which only heightens my emotional response to the stories and characters. I have a hard time thinking of any possible game that could stir up more intense feelings than Mass Effect. So, my question to you, gentlemen, is, do you have any such game in your history? A game you love so much, and of which you have so many fond memories, that no other game in the future is likely to mean more to you. Do you think this is weird, knowing that any video game you pick up, no matter what, almost certainly will not become your favorite? Love the show. Signed, Elio. Thank you again for your question, Elio. I think this is a really good one. Um, Hopefully, I will have a good answer for you. But Carlos is going to answer first. Carlos, what answer do you have for Elio? Wow, that's tough. I, I, I do like let myself get lost in games pretty easily, so... I might have more than the average person. Um, when, when you were talking about it, when you were talking about Mass Effect, I, I thought of Dragon Age Inquisition. Um, that game, especially, you've played it, right? Or you didn't? Dragon Age Inquisition, I severely disliked it. All right. We are 
enemies over that. But yeah, um, enemies on this one, yeah. Yeah, there's a moment in that where, again, just similar to like um, Red Dead. I don't have the feelings for Red Dead as I do with this, but there was like a, a really cool moment where like it, everything's kind of down and out, and you're really like sad about what your party's going through. And then this music comes in, and then everyone starts. All the characters start singing a song, and it felt like really powerful to me. And while I was playing that game, it was like a time in my life when I needed to feel like empowered. And the way that you go through that game, and how long it takes, and how you build up your army, you know, it's got that almost Sukaden vibe, where like you're building up people and adding yep. them to the. Yep. That at the end, I just felt so great about what we had built, that I did feel like it was really powerful. Um, that's my f- fake answer, as in it's not my final answer, but that is a answer. <laughs> I love that you led with your fake answer. <laughs> okay, fake is the wrong word. I just meant like that's not my final answer. It's, What's, okay, so what? That I mean, that's a good answer. I think that's pretty good. But what is your what is your final answer? Is it Ultima? Well, I need to. Well, Ultima is fucking really important to me. Yeah, but that's still not it. I don't think it's okay, that. Okay. Because the, the, again, those graphics were different. It didn't let me lose myself totally. Um, I did Ultima 7 was a really big deal for me. Let me think about it more, Brad. Give me one more second. You do one. I mean, I can, I can give you my answer if you need a minute to breathe here. I do. Go ahead. Okay. So, Elio, I'm, I'm afraid that my answers are going <laughs> to disappoint you, possibly. Or maybe they won't. Who knows? Um, so, I hear what you're saying about loving the characters, loving the universe. Um, and, I mean, got to be honest with you, the first Mass Effect was my favorite game uh, for, like, a long time. I still is near and dear to my heart. So everything you said about Mass Effect, I really echo. Um, I love those characters. I love being Femme Shep. I love the crazy things that happened. I love the relationships that build over the course of three games. Um, I have not played it as much as you have, but I have uh, played it. And I, the thing that really matters to me is when I really care about a game, when I really, really care about a game, I will do like everything in that game. It doesn't matter how hard it is. doesn't matter what you have to do. It doesn't matter how long you have to grind. I don't do that for any game except for games that really, really, really connect with me in a strong way. So I can probably count on like one or two hands how many times in the last 40 years I have played a game obsessively and wanted to do everything in it. But Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3 were those games. I did like literally like every quest, did all the loyalty quests, of course, did all the side quests, did all the stuff. Um, and I don't do that for just every game. So Mass Effect is absolutely one of those games where... I don't think any game out there is probably going to top that one, especially when it comes to something like the final quest of Mass Effect 2, which I'm not a big fan of Mass Effect 2 in general, but the final quest and some of the loyalty quests were amazing. And just like some of the wrap up in Mass Effect 3, I thought was phenomenal. So I'm with you on Mass Effect. That is my number, my part one answer. My part two answer uh, has to be uh, Witcher 3. Witcher 3. Uh, Mm. I love Witcher 3 so much. I love the writing. I love the characters. I love Triss, I love Yennefer, I love Geralt, I love Dandelion, I love all those guys. I mean, that was another game, which is a massive game, and yet I did like literally like not and not I didn't check off like every question mark on the map because you'd have to like go insane to do that, and a lot of that stuff didn't really matter. Um, but like anything that had a piece of story attached to it, anything that had any kind of narrative value, anything that uh, you know showed you more of Geralt's personality, like I did all that stuff, and I loved it. Like I wanted to do every bit of it i wanted to do every single thing i just loved every minute of it so um i my wife also loves witcher 3 and so we bonded on that like we have a lot of like fond memories of my wife playing the game and me playing that game and i think maybe even that puts it over the top for me because my wife has never played mass effect i don't know that she ever will 
unless they come out with a remastered version, which I've heard rumors of, but who knows. Uh, but Witcher 3 is something that we both played. And, like, not only was Witcher 3 a phenomenal game, one of the best in history, as far as I'm concerned, uh, but my wife playing it, um, not with me, but, like, you know, alongside me, and us talking about the quest, debating, you know, what do you think about this? And how do you think the Bloody Baron was handled? And what do you think about this ghost? And what do you think about who did you romance? And all that stuff. Like, that really puts it over the top for me. So I, I love Mass Effect, and it was my number one for a real long time, but I feel like, in a technicality, perhaps The Witcher 3 has edged it out because I had that shared experience with my wife. But both of those, I think, are at the top for me. And if you ask me tomorrow, maybe I would flip that order, but those are my two answers. So, Carlos, uh, that's what I got. What is what is your true answer, sir? Yeah, I, I'm going to cheat a little and say also Witcher 3. Oh! Um, but I, I have... A, two other small answers so that is one of my answers too and definitely cheating off of your uh, worksheet because yeah witcher 3 i played i've done 300 hours something oh Some, yeah easily something man, easily. nuts and like played every single dlc like you said went to any sort of quest that was happened to be a story and was like enraptured by every single story like so even good, little so ones. good uh and i felt like yeah, like uh, ownership over the moment, and if someone like died, like you know, not every quest ended good. Like it, a lot of quests ended terribly. Very true. Very true. So I love that. I would also add um, Skyrim because okay. Skyrim took over my life again. Another three hundred hours. It's before you know it, the graphics were good for its time when it came out. It, it, when it came out, it was like a living, breathing world that you could do anything in. It's since not you know aged as well, but it's still incredible for that moment and again at that moment i needed another world to jump into and that's all i did i just you know i did everything in skyrim uh and then also a, a side answer is i and a few other people really like the last mass effect andromeda um mm. we can fight it's okay go to the streets well we can't go in the streets and fight there's smoke out there <laughs> we can't breathe outside so we, no. we can't do that but um I really, really liked it. I really liked the ending of it. And it did give me some of the same vibes that I got from Dragon Age Inquisition, where I felt like we had all bonded together. The group finally came together, and I felt like we'd achieved our goal, which I won't spoil it, but it's a really cool ending. And I really liked the ending to that. And I, oh, I think that that, interesting. that journey was really good. People did not give it a chance because of the fucking bugs. Um, they went and patched a lot of that stuff. It's a great fucking game, and I'll stand behind it any day of the week. That is oh, so okay. So this is interesting. So Elio, who gave us this question, Elio, I would actually love to know your stance on Mass Effect Andromeda. Do you count that as part of the Mass Effect games? Because you only mentioned the trilogy in your email. Do you not count Mass Effect Andromeda? So I guess email us back, let us know, or tweet us or something. Let us know what you think about Mass Effect Andromeda because I would be extremely curious to know how you land on that. Um, as for me, I you know. It's funny you bring this up, dude, because when Mass Effect Andromeda came out, I really bounced off it. I got really bored of it. But its I think I was coming from a place of, I love Mass Effect so much. Yep. Like, there's nothing you can do that's going to match up to it. And so yep. I automatically think this is worse because it is. But if I was able to, like, take all those feelings for the original trilogy and put them in a the bottle and just seal them up for a little bit and approach Andromeda cold maybe my feelings on it would have been totally different. Like, I can't honestly say, right? Because I can't separate those feelings in my head. So, you know, it's funny because I have heard some people now, long after the fact, say, you know, that actually was a pretty good game. You should give it another chance. You should go check it out. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, I, 
I really disliked it at the time, but I do want some more Mass Effect, and I maybe I wasn't giving it a chance. Like maybe I should like open up my heart and see if there's room in it for one more Mass Effect. Oh. Like, I don't know, you know. Hey, there's room like, in it for crabs. Come on, dude. But those crabs have swords and shit, dude. That's 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 different. Okay, well here's the thing. I think you should. Also, just talking about it reminds me of another type of game I like. So my top, oh, shit. my top three favorite types of games are as follows: first person melee action RPG that I can level up in, two third person action RPG that I can level <laughs> up in, and all both those are open world. The third most important favorite thing is sci-fi action RPG third yes, person. Yes, you gotta so, be third person, man. I love the third person. So it's so, a fucking great game, man. You should give uh, it a chance. Uh, you know, maybe I will. Like I'm talking about it now, I'm tempted to give it another chance. Maybe enough time has passed, and oh, I don't know, man. It was just such a it was such a weird time. There was so much emotion going on. Like it was such a such a strange thing. Bioware let, was having so much trouble, and it was let, just let Mass Effect back in, Brad. Oh man, <laughs> ah, maybe, maybe. May, oh, God. You're Wait, let, let's call this episode Let Mass Effect Back In. Let Mass Effect Back In. You are putting me in a crisis right now, Carlos. I don't know what I'm going to do about this. Okay, we gotta, we're got we going to let it go here. Okay. i got to go like sit down in a dark room and just hold myself for a while. i gotta, <laughs> I got to collect my feelings, my emotions. Elio, yeah. thank you very much for the question. Great question. I hope that we have given you a sufficient answer. Also, please let us know where you stand on Mass Effect Andromeda. And, folks, that is going to do it for the show. Uh, before we go, uh, we do love to get questions and comments like you just saw. We got a comment uh, or question from Elio. If you've got a question of your own, hit us up. We will answer just about anything. So video games podcast at gmail.com. We are on Twitter as a show at so video games, but you can hit us up individually. Carlos, where can people find you this week? Uh, bu- 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 I don't know. Um, I feel like <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I had an answer for this and then I don't have the answer now. Just Twitter, O-N-A-W-A. Excellent. Uh, you can find me, as usual, on Twitter and Instagram, uh, but mostly Twitter. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y, all A's, no O's. And that is going to do it for episode 197. Thanks again to all of you listeners for joining us here on the So Video Games Podcast. And we will be back before you know it. we got a shitload of games to talk about, so it's not going to be too much longer before we get back in the studio here. But in the meantime... In the meantime, this is bye from Brad. And bye from Carlos, but also, I forgot to mention, I think there's a video game coming out called Grand Theft Horse. That is a true game, yes. We right? have covered that at our site, yes. We have Oh, you covered it. Okay. Is uh, it already I out? I didn't do it. I didn't do it. Uh, no, I think Dan Weissenberger covered it, and I believe he did a preview because it was still like an alpha beta sort of a thing. There's a I'm demo. Sure there's a demo out. It's called Rustler, but it's also yes. called Grand Theft Horse. Theft Anyways, Horse. I forgot to mention it in the show. It looks ridiculous. It's Grand Theft Auto top down, but with a horse or with medieval times. So there you go. Look for it. The uh, look for the review on GameCritics.com. And with that, see you later. Bye.